0: are you guys doing today? Happy Black Friday or Thanksgiving. Which one is it? I I forget. It's hard to get confused this time of year. Can't figure out if it's the Thanksgiving side or if it's the uh, holiday deal side of the year. But um, I'm glad that you guys are here. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm just praying and and hopeful for you today and um, this season of the year. That, that we could all enter into just a time of Thanksgiving and a time of, of really being grateful for everything that we have. I have been just um, watching this time of year with, with some uh, interest because it seems like Thanksgiving has been a bit overshadowed this year by Black Friday. And, and even yesterday, the, the front page of the Arizona Republic I thought was pretty interesting. that um, even Black Friday, I guess, has become a, li- a little selfish this year. For many shoppers, Black Friday was all about me. I thought, isn't that interesting? The, the, the article goes on to say that a lot of people who are out uh, at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. looking for deals, they're, they were asked, who are you here shopping for? And they said, well, me, of course. Why would I get up this early for anybody else? There's an interesting line that, that says, after two dismal seasons under the recession's dark cloud, store owners have crossed their fingers that consumers will, I love this line, return to their old ways and spend again this Christmas. I thought, wow, the, the hopes that we return to our old ways and spend again this Christmas, you know, return to our old ways of racking up large amounts of credit card debt return to our old ways of, of getting stuff to to sit with our old stuff in in the closet and i thought i'm not sure i want us to return to our old ways this year and i hope i don't return to my old ways this year the the old ways that say well you know i have a nice big tv but man a 58-inch plasma hd tv for 9.99 how could i say no to that and that's sort of what it feels like this time of year uh, has become in some ways. And, and I just hope and pray that in the middle of that, we'll be able to just stop and say thank you and to understand how blessed we really are. There, there's a, a verse that's been um, on my heart this week as I've been thinking about Thanksgiving and thinking about today. And you don't have to turn there. We're not going to stay at this verse long. It's on the screen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, and I love the way that this says, uh, very simply, give thanks. In all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar or anything, but I decided to dig around a little bit and and look into what this word all means. To give thanks in all circumstances. What does that mean? And so I got out concordances and went online and got dictionaries. Give thanks in all circumstances. What does that mean? And, And after a lot of study, I came to the conclusion that all means all. In everything, in everything, give thanks. And then there's another part of the verse that that I think is interesting because as Christians, uh, we all would be like, man, I want to be in God's will and I want to live God's will for my life. And, And I think that this verse helps us because it just simply tells us, here's God's will for you. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That, that giving thanks is not just something that once a year we need to mark on our calendar and say, that day I need to remember to be thankful. Any time of the rest of the year it can fall through the cracks, but that one time I've got to remember, this is Thanksgiving, so I need to give thanks. But, but really for a Christian, being grateful is, is just part of the package. Being thankful is part of the overflow of a work that, that God does in our lives. And that we really are called to give thanks in all circumstances. But then you may say, Aaron, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. Am I really supposed to be able to give thanks with what I'm going through? And I would just simply say, you're right, I don't understand your circumstance. I I don't know what many of you are going through in here. But there's a truth at the foundation of this verse that says that no matter what we're going through, no matter if we're in the midst of the highest highs of life or the lowest lows, we can be thankful. And for about 17 months now, as we've been on a journey with our daughter fighting brain cancer and all the ups and downs and ins and outs of what that looks like, there's been a call that God has placed deep within my soul that says, even in the darkest days find out what it is that you should be thankful for. Because there's something more than just the circumstances of this life behind that. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 has one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture on gratitude. And and in this story, there's a man that, that is just set apart, and he's been an inspiration for me as I've studied his life just a little bit. And I hope he will be for you as well, uh, just to let us understand Luke who is writing this book, the Gospel of Luke Luke is a physician, so Dr Luke, as he's writing he he has some knowledge of what we're talking about today and and not only is he a doctor but he's also a Gentile, which means he's not a Jew now I know that's deep for you, but Jesus was a Jew, Jesus' team, you know the disciples they were they were all Jews, and so Luke is part of the team. Luke has gotten in the inner circle somehow. And so Luke is in many ways an outsider, yet he has a unique perspective and an angle that he's teaching us about Jesus that I hope we don't miss. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. It's the story of ten lepers. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village... Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So here's the story that as Jesus is going towards Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem there is a cross with his name on it. There is a destination that he's going to, and that journey ends in his arrest and his betrayal, his being flogged, his being beaten, ultimately die on a cross. That's, that's the, the destination he's headed to. But on the way, as he's going through these villages, there's, there's a village where these lepers come, ten of them to be exact. And they're calling out to Jesus, and, but it says they stood at a distance. And from a distance they call out, Jesus! Master! Have pity on us! Now it's interesting to understand what the life of a leper was like in this time. For a leper, there were, there were things that you had to do to mark you. That everybody else would understand that you're a leper. You had to tear your clothes. Not like holy jeans, cool, cool tear. You had to shred your clothes. So that everyone would look at you and say, Ah, that person's an outcast. Stay away. You couldn't cut your hair. But not only could you not cut your hair, you couldn't comb your hair. And so you had this big, nasty, mangy mess It was very visible to all that something was wrong with you. Lepers had to cover the bottom part of their mouth, I guess, so they wouldn't breathe or accidentally spit on somebody. So they had to protect that to keep others and themselves safe. They would would wear this, and then they would stand at distances. And any time they had to pass somebody, they were required to shout, Unclean! Unclean! As a signal to anyone who may get close, stay away from that person. Avoid them. So in the midst of this, there's ten of these guys who come, and they're shouting out to Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, Master, would you just look on us with compassion? Now, there's another part of this story that's interesting, because as a religious leader, as a rabbi, there are certain rules with how you dealt with lepers, Or the reality is the rules were, don't. As a religious leader, as a rabbi, you were not to have anything to do with lepers. In fact, there were some certain rules that you were supposed to do. Number one, you were to never make eye contact with lepers. So you know it's that whole thing, like even if you see somebody homeless today, you're like, you want to look at them, but you can't make eye contact. So there's that awkward moment of, what do I do? Well, I do, relig- Religious leaders... Were not to make eye contact. If a religious leader was walking down a pathway and somehow a leper was on that path or that road with him, they were to go, the, the religious leader, way out of the way to avoid contact with this leper. And if that didn't work, the whole dodging eye contact and avoiding, the third option was priests were to run. Now, that sounds sort of interesting. The religious leaders who are supposed to be full of love and compassion, if they come close to a leper, the third option was just get out of there anything to avoid a leper that kind of people so there's a really interesting moment here where everybody in the crowd that's following Jesus listening to his teachings hear the voices of these ten lepers as they're shouting from a distance Jesus master have pity on us and this crowd around him is probably thinking huh I wonder what Jesus is going to do now we know what a good rabbi would do, but what, Je- what is Jesus going to do? Look in verse 14. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So it says that not only did Jesus just make eye contact with them, he saw them. And he engaged them in conversation. Much to the chagrin of the crowd, they're probably thinking, what is he doing? He's talking to a leper. But this word that Jesus saw, it doesn't mean to just simply see with his eyes. There's a much deeper meaning here. The the word is not a visible sight as much as it is to know, to see and understand, to perceive. Jesus saw these lepers, but he didn't just see skin that was falling apart with sores and lesions all over it. He saw them and he looked right through their issues to their heart. Their cry was, Master, have pity on us. Have compassion. Jesus, with eyes of compassion, saw that these men weren't just lepers. These were husbands and fathers, sons and brothers. And when Jesus sees them, he knows there's more to the story than just superficial issues if you're a Christian if you've ever understood or received the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ you know what this look is don't you maybe you've never visibly seen it but, but you know what we're talking about the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ that looks and says even though you've made many mistakes I still love you even though you've been far from me I still accept you this is the love of compassion, the look of compassion that Jesus is giving. And it says that Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priests, which seems to be an interesting statement because they're saying, hey, help, help, we have leprosy, help us. And Jesus simply says, go show yourselves to the priests. We have to understand in this culture, for a, a person who is a leper to ever be clean. They had to get a clean bill of health from a priest. And so what Jesus says is, I want you to start going to the the priest. And in saying that, he's saying, I'm going to make you clean. There's other accounts in the Gospels where Jesus says, be clean, or where Jesus touches somebody and heals them. But this time he says, go to the priests and get evidence that you're cleansed. And I don't have time to spend here, but it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus didn't just do the miracle right there on the spot. As they took a step of obedience and another, and another. Somehow they're looking at themselves, and the leprosy is vanishing step by step by step. So that by the time they get to the priests, the priests are looking at them, and there's no evidence of disease anywhere on them. Verse 15 says that one of them, one of the lepers, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then Luke adds something that had been missing up until this point. He says, and he was a Samaritan. Ugh, nasty Samaritans. Those despised Samaritans. Not only was this guy a leper, strike one. He was a Samaritan. That was like strike two, three, four, and five. He was a foreigner. He was despised. There was racism involved here, obviously. But Jesus is using this as a point to say, This ministry of of Jesus, this offer of forgiveness and salvation is not just for the Jews, it's for those who are far away and foreigners as well. This is a pivotal moment in the Gospels when Jesus and His ministry is extended like this. But but something very interesting happens here. We see that ten guys are healed, but the story really does become about one of them. The story becomes about one of them, one of them who, who went through a progression of he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, he fell down at his feet in worship. And, and I think in the story of this uh, leper who was cleansed, there are keys for us in understanding what it really does mean to give thanks in all circumstances. And we're going to break down this passage and, and look at these different things and just to talk about what does it mean. And first of all, this is is what it says about him. He saw that he was healed. He saw that he was healed. The same word that was used just a couple verses earlier to say that Jesus saw the leper, and the saw is is a word that means he knew, he understood, he perceived. This is this leper, saw that he was healed, and he's looking at his arms and his hands and his body, and he's saying, I'm healed, how did this happen? And he's looking at it, but it wasn't just a superficial understanding. He saw that something happened. Amazing was going on here. He saw that in the midst of this moment, he was being blessed more than anything he ever, ever anticipated. One of my prayers today is that we could just get the perspective on our lives to say, We really are blessed. We really are blessed. And to just pause in the midst of this season before we go any further towards Christmas, to just say, thank you, God. So in doing so, I I just wanted to have a little group therapy session. Are you guys game? Uh, Let me ask a question. How many of you ever complain? Just slip your hand up. Okay, how many of you are complaining that I'm making you raise your hand? Okay, all of us at some point in time, or at least most of us, if we're being honest, complain at one point or another. We complain and and, and we we have gripes and and things that we're not happy about. and, And some of us... Complain about our jobs. Now, not me because I work at Cornerstone, but some of you complain about your jobs and you complain about your boss or the workload and the stress and and you complain about it. Honestly, you do, right? But what about the almost 10% of people in Arizona who are unemployed? Maybe they would say, I wish I had a job I could complain about. Sort of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Or maybe you're like me and we complain about our food. Like, man, what is this pizza just doesn't taste good. What about the 925 million people around the world who are classified as undernourished? Think they would complain about that same piece of pizza? Or we get our peppermint mocha and we complain, this is too chocolatey. What about the 880 million people around the world who do not have access to clean drinking water. puts things in perspective, right? But but all of us, sometimes in the middle of some of the biggest blessings of our life, we still get focused on the negative. Five months ago, my family, um, we were privileged enough to take the trip of a lifetime. We went to Disney World. But it wasn't just any trip to Disney World. It was my daughter's Make-A-Wish trip. And it really was the trip of a lifetime. It started on a Thursday morning about 6 o'clock in the morning when the limousine pulled up in front of our house. Now, I'm not a limousine kind of guy, so my kids are certainly not limousine people, so this was a big deal for the McRae household. So all five of us are rushing out there with multiple bags in hand, and the double stroller is, is ready to roll. The problem was, I don't know if you've ever been around a limo, they don't really have a lot of cargo space. So the, the driver's looking at us, and he's like, what in the world? Are you guys moving to Disney? And so he's, he does a good job, and he's arranging our bags and all this kind of stuff. The, the problem is on the sidewalk, our double stroller still remains. So like I said, early in the morning, 6 or so in the morning, and uh, the, the limousine has no other option but to pop the trunk put our double stroller in the back of the trunk and with the trunk raised rope tie it down and rig it to stay in. So here we go cruising down the highway at 6.30 in the morning for all of Phoenix to see and I'm like, the trunk is popped, we're so ghetto. <laughs> like, like even in the midst of, of being blessed I have to have the trunk popped and look like I don't fit in. How does this happen? And then I knew we were going to have to do the same thing coming home and I thought, wow this trip is really starting off with a bang. So. Then we hop on an airplane and four and a half or so hour flight to Florida, you know, like 10 minutes into it, my kids are like, I'm bored. Are we there yet? I'm hungry. When's lunch? I'm like, kids, they don't give lunch anymore. Those days are long gone where you give lunch on an airplane these days. And so the kids are complaining. And so, so we get there and on that Thursday evening, we have our first sort of appointment. And, and our trip was an interesting trip it was in partnership with Make-A-Wish and Kurt Warner's foundation first things first and so we had the privilege of, of going with a number of Make-A-Wish families and being with Kurt Warner and his family so the first night we're in this big line for all the Make-A-Wish families to meet Kurt Warner Uh, The kids are like, I want to ride the ride, and I want to go do this, and I'm hungry. And I'm like, shh, it's Kurt Warner, behave. And they're still acting up. And so we get there, and my wife is carrying our daughter Kate. And he's like, well, you must be Kate. I've heard a lot about you. And she looks at her mom and says, who's he? (laughs) I'm like, no, guys. (laughs) So our trip continues, and a couple days later, we are in Florida. Uh, Did I say it was June in Florida? Who would want to live in Florida in June? So, a couple of days later, I'm like, it's so hot here. I'm so tired. Can we go? And I'm literally in the midst of a trip of a lifetime. And I caught myself complaining and griping. And I thought, what do you have to complain about? I mean, I'm taking my kids a couple of times and having to remind myself as well. I'm like, you see that line over there, kids? An hour and 45 minutes for test track. You see our line? Five minutes. Stop complaining about five minutes. They had the fast pass and the make-a-wish passes and all this kind of stuff. I said, guys, you're missing how blessed you really are right now. But isn't that a tendency that all of us too often fall into to get focused on the negative, to see what's missing? This leper provides a great example because he he sees that he is healed. And it's not simply just superficial. Something much, much deeper is going on. Secondly, we're told that, just simple, two simple words, he came back. He came back. Now, it may not sound like a lot at first glance, but as opposed to the other nine, only one came back. The other nine, all see the same thing, that their skin has changed, that they're healed, but for some reason, something sets this guy apart and he comes back. And so I believe when you get healed by Jesus and and you experience that, there's there's only two reactions that possibly can happen. Number one, you look at yourself and you say, look at me, I'm healed. Look at this, I'm healed. And all the attention goes to yourself. Or in that same moment, you can say, He healed me. How did you do that? And it may seem to be a slight difference, but that difference makes all the difference. Is the focus going to be on you and what's happened with you? Or the one who has all the power? Is the focus going to be on the gift or the giver? And we're told that this one guy sets himself apart by coming back this word literally means to return, to remember. And so he comes back to a place where he's not taking credit for himself. He knows he doesn't deserve this. But he's coming back for Jesus. He's coming back to give him glory and honor. And it says, praising God in a loud voice. At first he was standing at a distance with a loud voice crying out. But now his praises are just as loud as his prayers. His celebration, just as joyous as his cries were painful. And it says he's praising, praising Jesus and he falls at his feet. In worship and adoration of Jesus, he humbly comes before Jesus. Falling at his feet and thanking him and praising him. And probably just this list of thank you for this and thank you and wow, you're so awesome. Making his list of just thank yous. If you're like me with kids in the home, you have your own little list this time of year. They're wish lists. My kids grab these flyers and start circling things they want. Ooh, I like that. That sounds great. And I fall into that same trap. And so this year I said, I want to be proactive. I need to be proactive for myself. And I need to carve some time out of this season to just say, I'm going to stop everything and be thankful. So I started, it sounds silly, but I set my uh, countdown on my uh, phone for five minutes and said, for five minutes I'm going to do nothing but write thanks a few times a week. Just write thanks in my journal and many things as I can think of just to gain perspective. Perspective just to remember and so I started doing that and I cannot tell you the difference that just it makes to just say thank you so much God for your faithfulness thank you for the ways that you've worked and and I said I I don't want to just do it for myself I also want to do it for my kids because you know these wish lists are growing longer by the day, and, and I want at least to have some lists. And so I came up with these little silly pieces of paper, and, and I just thought, kids, I want, you to, I want you to be thankful, and I want you to be able to tell what you're thankful for. And so let me give you a couple examples I thought were interesting. Uh, one of my daughters wrote, Thank you, God, for, and fill in the blank, making our family, because I love them, and they take care of me. Um, one of them wrote, I am thankful for God slash Jesus. I'm still working on the whole Trinity thing. I'm thankful for God slash Jesus because they made the earth and always help us and are always with us. And he is super nice. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. He is super nice. I've never said that. Jesus, you're super nice. Thank you for being super nice. All right, here's another one. Guess if this is my son or one of my girls. Thank you, God, for my toys. Because they are cool and my Lego's heads pop off. (laughs) He went on and he said, thank you, God, for my dad. And I thought, that's nice. And he said, because he's big and hairy. (laughs) It's not exactly what I was going for. And he likes to wrestle with me. Well, you know what? Close enough. Close enough. Just start the list. It'll get better with, with age. But in the middle of what goes on in our world, can we possibly stop long enough and be thankful enough for all the blessings we have? Jesus goes on here in this passage. Verse 17. Jesus asked. Now, get this. He doesn't talk to the leper at this point. He's talking to the crowd around him. And he asked this question. Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Weren't ten people clean? Why is there just this one guy? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, he still still bowed down at his feet. He still knelt before Jesus and Jesus says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. It it literally can mean your faith has saved you. Jesus is here saying the miracle that happened, the the work that just happened, the reason that this guy was was so thankful wasn't because he earned some right to be healed or did some things that, that, that made him worthy. He simply had faith in who Jesus was and in what Jesus could do. And that is a key for the leper, but it's also a key for us today to understand how do we give thanks in all circumstances? Remember, for this is God's will for you. But do you remember the last part? In Christ Jesus. Jesus. the ability to be thankful in all circumstances does not come from our circumstances. It comes from Christ. And one of the reminders in my life in these past months has been in the middle of the darkest storms of my life and darkest nights of our life is that even when it felt like life was out of control, if I could take my eyes off my circumstances I could still see that Christ was there. He would never leave me, never forsake me. And the testimony of this leper is you can be thankful in every circumstance. And the reason that I can say the circumstance doesn't make the difference is because of this I can show you some of the most blessed people on this world. There, there doesn't seem to be a problem in their life, and guess what? they're not thankful a bit. And I can show you people who are suffering and life is hard, and yet in the midst of it, there's still gratitude. Because this kind of thankfulness is not based on our circumstances. It comes from a faith in a God who will not leave us, in a God who is gracious to us. And today my prayer for you is that you would pause in this moment today and that you really would see, just as a leper has seen, not just the superficial touch of God, but the radical work that God will do in a heart, that you would see a cross where our Savior died to forgive our sins, to give us life, and and the Bible even says life abundantly. That you would see with your own eyes and that you would would not just see and then go away returning to your old ways. But that you would come back to a place of worship and return. We've got a special... Special moment today. We're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes. And that's exactly what it's all about. It's about returning. It's about remembering. It's about as we're holding that that representation of the body of Christ in our hand. And in the other hand, we're holding the representation of the, the blood of Christ. We remember that it's not because of anything that we've done that we deserve His sacrifice. But in His great love, He graciously gave of Himself. And then my prayer is that you would just make thankfulness and gratitude a part of this season. Maybe you have to do silly lists like me. Maybe you have to do exercises to keep you on target. But I'm telling you, if you're not intentional, you can easily be swept away in the ads and the consumerism to where it's all about me. My challenge is today, would you please pray to God for that attitude of thankfulness to fill your heart. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you for your love, so grateful for your mercy. And God, I just pray today that in this room that I know that there's, there's some that are going through circumstances that are so difficult. And, and there's a part of them that just says, how can I give thanks in the middle of this crisis in the middle of this pain how can I give thanks and God I pray that you would remind them of of your love that is greater than any problem greater than any crisis greater than any pain we would ever endure and I pray that you would fill them with hope and fill them with faith today there's some of us here today God that that we we need to count our blessings we need to take the time to just see how good you've been we need to remember back God, when I think about what this leper saw with his own eyes, what he experienced in this interaction with Jesus, I know he was never the same. God, I pray that you would change us, mark us, that we would never return to those old ways, but you would mark us that we would never be the same. That we would live this season in gratitude. That we would live this season with generosity. God, right now as we take communion. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We celebrate that you are a Savior who died on a cross for our sins, but also that you rose again. And in your resurrection, you promised forgiveness and victory over sin and victory over death and hell. So today we celebrate that victory. We remember the price that was paid. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we pass out the elements, let me just remind you, this is a time that is a very serious time. It's a holy time. The Bible tells us it's, it's only for those who are followers of Christ, only for those who are believers. And so, so please, if, if you're not a follower, you can just let the plate pass, but, but, but please use this as a holy moment. For those of us who are followers of Christ, the Bible also tells us this is not something that we do half-heartedly. This is not something we do with known sin in our life. So maybe you need to just take a moment before you partake and just say, God, forgive me of my sin. And that you would use this as a holy moment to connect or reconnect with the God who loves you passionately.